so follow-up material. Can I do some follow-ups? Yeah. I was thinking. I was doing a lot of thinking. Last episode, we talked about standing ovations and our five ways to fix it, and I think those are perfect still. I thought about it, though, and there's one more thing that I wish was not a thing. So you're sitting in a concert, and there's a standing ovation, and, like, I'll be sitting there, and I'll be like, no, I don't think they deserve a standing ovation for that. To be fair, I did the exact same thing when I was at your concert, so I totally agree, but continue. Good, good. I'm glad you did that, because every time I'm sitting there, and then, like, people start glancing at me, and they're like, why aren't you standing, friend? You're supposed to be standing, because we're standing, and I'm like, I don't want to stand, I don't think they deserve my standing. And so, I realized this, and I realized that I hate that social pressure so much. I don't hate it, that's too strong. I strongly dislike that social pressure of, like, you have to stand when everyone else is standing for the standing ovation. Like, it would be it would be more meaningful of a standing ovation if, like, everyone stood up when they wanted to and not everyone standing up because everyone else is standing up, you know? Does that make sense? That makes sense. But to be fair, all of our other methods were based on social pressure. So to now suddenly be against it is a little bit too critical. (laughs) No, no. I was against different kinds of social pressure. Not all social pressure is equal. Mm. I I think social pressure should be applied in certain ways, like methods of scaring people and um, getting them to do what I think is right, (laughs) but not getting them to make me do what they think is right. Right. Social pressure is good as long as it's compliance into our ideologies, (laughs) not into theirs. Precisely. It's totally fine. Yes, exactly. To a T, David. You've nailed it. What what would be better is if there was social pressure to stay sitting down rather than standing up. And standing ovations when it's not needed. Right. So there's that one guy that stands up and everyone in the audience suddenly turns to him. (laughs) (laughs) He's just standing there like clapping and just like looking around and like, (laughs) oh no, what am I doing? He starts clapping slower and slower and realizes that no one else is standing up and is forced back into his seat from the peering eyes of everyone else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then like the people on stage saw that one guy stand up and they're like, we did it! We did it! <laughs> and they can they can raise their fists in victory for having gotten a standing ovation because the social pressure, like, their performance was amazing enough to get someone standing even though it's the most uncomfortable thing they could have possibly done. And even though the eagle is going to come out and grab them in a couple seconds. <laughs> <laughs> they sit down, it's like... Whoosh, like the swoosh behind his head, and he's just like, Oh, no! <laughs> But then, but then it really would be meaningful if everyone stood up, because then it'd be like everybody would have to agree that it was worth it. That's true. Because no one would want to take the risk alone to be the only <laughs> one that was standing up. Right, right. So, I think in my heart, I wish it was that way. That sounds like a magical place and a magical thing to have happened, <laughs> at least for someone who's performed once, yeah. twice. I think once that would happen, when the standing ovation occurred in those circumstances. You would get like Disney music playing in the background at that point. You know, like, it'd be one of those moments. <laughs> Everything would just would just brighten up, and colors would be saturated, and you're just like, everything's wonderful all the time now. <laughs>
The other one that you told me to remind you about is your running story. <laughs> you said I got to remember your running story and ask you <laughs> so you can tell me, and I need to know. That's all. Yeah. I'm ready. So for a little bit of background um, for the listeners, the first episode we went to record of Save the World, there was this huge race going on, this huge foot race in our city. And so they blocked off like half the roads in the city. And so we're trying to get to this recording booth. And we, they wanted us to detour about two miles out of the way to get to where we needed to go. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe what some of these like running events get away with for blocking off roads and things like that. Right, right. Like they had like officers at like every single major intersection, like directing people to keep going to the turnoff instead of like stopping the runners so that people could make a left turn over the road. It was craziness. And and just to understand, this road cuts the city in half. One side is the west side of the city, the other side is the east side of the city, and you couldn't cross it until you went two miles south. Right. And it, it was just crazy. It was madness. Anyways, Aaron doesn't know this as far as I'm aware, but I used to work for a racing company, for a foot racing company. I did know this. Yes. Because <laughs> you told it when we went running. You told me. When did we go running? <laughs> <laughs> when we started. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> when we started working out that worked out for a couple of weeks. <laughs> didn't last but it was good it was it's, good while it lasted it, well we, we still work out that's true it's, it's dying it's not as consistent <laughs> as it was before but. well we've got more important things like david and aaron saved the world true true we did not have that in the past it's true it's crazy. um anyway so my story that i don't think you know is okay. um i was working for this this racing company because my brother-in-law was working for it and he knew i was really good with computers mm-hmm. And they need someone to manage all of the timing equipment, the automatic chips that when you cross the line, it tells you how long your time was and all these things. So there's a lot of actual computational stuff that goes on behind the scenes to keep track of all the races and okay. all the times. Did you, was there like a program that you were running or was it like, were you just like getting fed data and you just had to, you had to figure out how to extrapolate the, the stuff you needed from the data or? No, we, we had a, a built-in software. The software was pretty primitive though like you couldn't do a lot with the data just like spat out times and it was really hard you could export things to excel i did a lot of that like exporting data and then writing my own things to help out with it but yeah so i did a lot of races and it worked out well because often on saturdays and this is when i was in college so i didn't have like a full-time job or anything to get me through college Mm -hmm. i just got a couple of scholarships which helped a lot but Mm -hmm. then to make up the difference i went and did these races on Saturdays and, you know, get paid $200 each time or something. So it was a really good, it was a really good gig. It worked out well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But one thing it did not help with is my respect for runners. (laughs) 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 Plummeted the more I did this job. Um, One time I was at uh, uh, a race up the canyon nearby Mm -hmm. and it was a half marathon and I'm printing out all the times and people are coming up and asking for their times, which is okay. They're, they're allowed to do that. And like, let them know and say these things. And one time this lady came up to me after running a half marathon. Okay. And she's like, my time is off by five seconds on your system. I'm like, oh, what? lady, you ran 13 miles. <laughs> <laughs> you were running for three and a half hours. Like, why is five seconds so important to you? If you were in like the, the top five or the top 10 it's like okay okay that's understandable you want to make sure the order was clear and 
But she was like 67th place in her age division. <laughs> like, <laughs> why? Why does this matter? Why? Why is this important? You know, right. you know your right time if you did it precisely. That's great. Right. Why does it need to be accurate on your system when you're listed as 125th overall? You know, right. This like, shouldn't matter. To know she was five seconds off, she had to have been timing it herself. And it's like, why did you even? Why did you even come over here? Like, <laughs> like there's no point for you to be over here, lady. Yeah. So, anyways, law of runners are fine, and I get along with them fine. But there was a couple of people that really bothered me. <laughs> they really just, just just got to you. Yeah. That's crazy. But the specific racing story I was thinking of. Yeah. Was we actually got a bid to do the Phoenix half marathon. Okay. And so we went down to Phoenix and um, it was a really big race and the setup took all night. It's actually a really long day for me because I was helping my brother move in Wisconsin. Oh. Then I flew into Phoenix. Really? And when you do the races, you, you're setting up through the night. So I went from waking up at six o'clock in the morning in Wisconsin to get to the plane, flying into Phoenix doing race stuff all through the night and then timing the race in the morning without ever sleeping. Oh, no. So it was already bad enough because I was majorly sleep deprived. Yeah, yeah, helping someone move and then sleep deprived on top of that, like you didn't sleep at all. <laughs> yeah, so great day, great day to start, right? <laughs> great day to do a race. <laughs> uh, a good start. Um, but we're timing this Phoenix Half Marathon and we were trying out this new system that was really nice that you could network multiple computers together. Mm-hmm. Because we had a way bigger infrastructure for this race, you know, it was such a huge race, a lot more people. We need to be able to print out times faster and get, you know, the papers to the announcers and things like that. So yeah. we, we set up this network infrastructure, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. You could get multiple things going at the same time. But halfway through the race, people start coming in and the network crashes. And on the program we were running, it doesn't crash just the one computer. It crashes all computers that were on the network. No. So all of our computers are set up, and at the same time, they all crash. No. And we're in the middle of the Phoenix Half Marathon. Like, people are still coming in, and we have no computers working. So there is one computer that wasn't connected to the network. It was actually the computer <laughs> for the the announcer. He was on this huge tower. Yeah. And, like, as people were coming into the race, he could see their names because the bib would come up on the chip okay. yeah. and associate their name. And he'd be like, oh, you know, so-and-so's coming in. And he's doing this great job announcing everything. Yeah. And I I run as fast as I can. I climb up his tower. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I need that computer right now. He's like, what am I going to do about announcing? Right. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. I need that computer right now. All these are crashed. <laughs> you don't understand. All the computers are down. Like, I need this one. <laughs> and so I, I grabbed that computer. And we, we fortunately, I was able to grab the backup data from the chip system. That's okay. very nice. It's not all stored on a computer. There's oh. a bunch of backups. So you just grab USB drives and just stick them in there and start pulling data. So we didn't lose the data. Mm-hmm. But we're running the entire Phoenix Half Marathon by grabbing USB data from the chip system, taking it over to the computer, trying to print out anything we could get, we could get to, <laughs> running back. It, like, oh, it was just awful. And that was going on for like three or four hours because half marathons last for a long time between your fastest time and your slowest time. Right. Like, there's a lot of people coming in. And so it was just the worst day ever. And then on top of that, I was hoping to go back to a hotel or something and just yeah. like crash and be like, you know, this was a rough day, but yeah. whatever. End of day, you just wanna you just wanna lay down and just be like, oh, it's over finally, okay. But instead, 
our boss just right away flies us back. We don't get a single moment to sit down, relax. It was right off the bat. Oh. So what, what time did you get home? Like, was it like morning? Like 7 o'clock the next morning. So I was awake for pretty much two days straight. No, that's terrible. That's, I can't even, that sounds like probably the worst work day I've ever heard of to this point. I've never had a work day that bad. I'm sure somebody has had a worse work day, but it's probably the worst one I'll have, ever have. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Why'd all the computers crash? Like, how was the network, like... The the program we were using was just... It's really not that good. It's... Okay. It, you can tell it wasn't designed by a, a well-experienced group of programmers. It probably was, like, okay. two guys that got hired by the company, and it's like, oh, you'll be our programming division, you know? We'll make this program. Mm -hmm. It was really simple, and I think it just ran into too much data coming in through the network and it didn't know how to respond and so the system just crashed and so it just yeah it just quit as as a as a well-designed program always does ups and dies on you in the <laughs> middle of what you're whatever you're doing it's like no so many problems <laughs> many problems from this from this this running story but the first is do you still feel animosity for runners not for runners themselves, but okay. for the culture of running. <laughs> oh. I do not I do not appreciate the idea that we feel like it's okay to stop parts of society, traffic ways, things like this, just for runners. And I also don't appreciate the fact that there's so much competition in something that is mostly for your personal gain. Okay. You know, like running, I, if you want to run, that's fine. It's healthy. It's something that you can find, you know, yeah. joy in and accomplishment. But the fact that we give so much credence to getting in first place or getting in our division, it seems like so many people are overwhelmingly putting emphasis on something that really doesn't benefit them in the long run as far as the competition aspect. Right, just that is just getting just just winning, right? Winning a single race, like or winning a set of races, it's not, it's not as significant as like your health benefits <laughs> and like what you actually gain from running. That's actually meaningful, more meaningful, maybe. Definitely more pragmatic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, but I mean, that's a general complaint I have with most sports anyways okay if you're not like on a professional level where people are going to your sport to be entertained and watching it to be entertained there's a lot of scenarios in like just amateur sports where we put way too much value into winning a certain thing or winning the competition it's like you're playing in like a tournament that is many many levels below when you'll be watched for money or entertainment. So right. why does this small tournament matter so much to so many people involved is something I don't think I'll ever be able to understand. To understand. Okay. So we like to stand up for the little guy and say, well, you know, little things are good, you know, because I, I have almost a reverse problem where I'm like, why does everyone care about the big thing? Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just a bunch of dudes playing a, playing a game. Like, I do that sometimes. It's not that big a deal. But that's not fair. <laughs> There's a big discrepancy in the amount of money involved. 
Which no, says you're wrong. <laughs> that's true. That's no, that's true. Because because when it's like for money, that's 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 when you know that you're a professional. You're getting paid to do it. Nah, that's it. You're a professional. What would be the the preferred method? What's your preferred method for, I guess, lessening the the value of winning small tournaments? My my first thought is 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 just like a deadly dangerous penalty for winning. <laughs> Like, you guys have to clean the sewers, <laughs> or take care of the eagles, or... If you want to win, you're going to have to do community service. <laughs> I think people, well, well, I think, I think, oh no, see, that's not, that doesn't solve any problems, because that just demotivates the players. <laughs> yeah. Then everyone just stands there looking at each other like, you make the first shot. And the other player's like, you make the first shot. And they just stand there in a staring match. That's yeah. boring. That doesn't fix any problems. I think I think part of the problem is that so jumping away from running and more into like my, my experience is mostly with like little kids, community basketball games and things like that. Okay. And way too many parents believe that their children are just bound for greatness in their sport. And so they value the wins because they believe it will move them on into the NBA and all these amazing things that their child is obviously destined to do. Okay. When clearly their child has very minimal chance, even if they are well are gifted and talented, just statistically speaking, right. there's such a small probability that's going to actually happen. And so I think the, <laughs> the root of the problem is you just need to be able to get parents to realize that they should focus on more plausible career paths for their children. <laughs> okay. And then I think that would solve a lot of other problems where tournaments wouldn't matter as much because they realize it's just for fun because okay. they're not destined for the NBA and that type of thing. Yeah. Okay. No, I got you. I got you. I see. Like, because you see a lot on TV. You see these 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 big name players, you know, the sport players and the... the LeBron and, James and Steph Curry of the world. And, right. Exactly. The 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 very small... Small, small portion of people that get paid an incredible sum of money. Those numbers are sickening <laughs> amounts of money. Sickening amounts of money to play these games. And we see that so much. And it's 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 such a part of our of like the public like mind that we kind of it makes sense because people focus on that. They're like, oh well my kid, they like they like basketball. We're gonna they, they they can play basketball. Anyone can play basketball. They can play basketball. They can be great. And so they, they want them to push them to be like their favorite sports players when in reality there's there's much more meaningful well there's much more statistically likely <laughs> statistical <laughs> likelihood and possibility of them having an excellent career in another field that's a hundred percent better for society. And 100% better for them and their happiness generally. Money doesn't make happiness, so I don't, I don't know how we could how we could change that. Well, and it's not like I'm saying we should stop letting kids play basketball. No, but but if my kid wanted to play basketball, that'd be great. But I'd never be mad if they lost or they didn't do their drills just right. Or right. I'd be like, oh, you put forth good effort. All right, now go study your math homework. You know, 
you got more important things to do. <laughs> this right. is this is a, a fun cool. thing you do on the side. It's not the thing that should matter. <laughs> That's you'll just be straight career oriented. You know? <laughs> they turn five and they're like, I want to play this game. I want to play soccer, which I, I played as in the community. Played some community soccer. Like I want to play community soccer. You as the parent can just can just be like, you can play soccer. After you know, after you, you get like your real career going, instead of <laughs> instead of trying to feed this this ideal that you're gonna play soccer, like no, you're gonna you're gonna study physics and math and science. Come on, Jimmy, you're five years old. It's time to figure out what you want to do with your life. <laughs> Poor Jimmy's just like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But but in general, I think if we if we lightened the attitude towards sports and realize that some some avenues should be created for people that are more likely to be involved in those sports. And those should matter more. But in general, especially until you're older, anything below like 12 or even I would say even like 15, 16, okay. anything in those sports or those categories should be should be taken more lightly, should be realized that this is just for fun. They can develop skills, but the outcomes don't really matter for a long time. Right. And I, for most people, they'll never matter. They shouldn't because right. they, sh- they should be pursuing other options. I agree. I, I like that. I like that a lot, actually. I like I like that way of putting it, of just lessening the impact of that that these these games have on life. I'm not a big I'm not a big sports guy and I don't like sports doesn't come up for me very often. So I think part of it is also the circle like that you keep. Like most of my sports comes from you. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't talk about sports with anyone. That's else, a really you know, bad like... source of information. Because <laughs> I'm not, really like, no more sports, no more. I'm not a huge sports guy to start, so <laughs> I enjoy watching sports. But right, but correct me if I'm wrong. Like, you get a lot more of that sports influence from from the people you are around. That's true. And so, like, I haven't thought about this too much. I haven't thought about it a ton. Like, I did play sports when I was a wee lad. But as of now, like, it's not even in my in my radar. It's not even in my scope. So part of it could be just, like, totally socially disassociating yourself from sports. Somebody, somebody comes to you, like your friend, and is like, look at this sports stuff. And you're just like, nah. No, I don't do that. I don't do that stuff. I don't look at it. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> and then your friend will be like, okay. And they'll, they'll, they'll curl up in a sad ball of sadness. And it'll be okay because they'll get over it. And, and, and you won't have to have dealt with sports. And then you don't have to think about it. Are you, are you saying we should treat sports more like drugs? <laughs> be smart, don't start. Just say no. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 yeah. I think that would be wise. Just, just don't, just don't, just don't get going. Just, just stay away from that stuff. That's just, it's not good for you. I'd, I'd be down with that, but I think it's a little bit of a biased opinion uh, <laughs> because true. both of us are completely unfit and unable to do any sports. <laughs> that's true. You're right. So, so what, what types of things could we do to lighten the mood at sports events and races and things like that so people Ooh. don't treat them as seriously? That, that is a good question. My first thought was, have the refs wear clown suits? 
Dude, that would be the best. <laughs> I don't think it would give any more respect to the refs, which they already don't get very much. So that might have some issues. But he definitely would have a harder time taking the game seriously. Yeah, if all the refs, the ref comes running out in a clown suit, he's like, he throws up his flags and he's like, yeah, and everyone's like, woo, clowns! <laughs> Other alternatives I thought of was serving like shaved ice during the game and cotton candy. Okay. Yeah. Anything that makes it feel more like a fair, a than, fa- yeah, than like a game, like a big old fair event. You're just like you're just there for fun, just just hanging out. We better instead of dressing the refs in clown suits, we dress the players in clown suits. <laughs> I think that's a better. That idea. also helped the problem of having less people wanting to sign up for sports. <laughs> You'd be like, okay, you want to sign up for sports, but you have to wear this nose and this afro. Like, I'm Here, sorry. Here's your rainbow hair. Yes. <laughs> your rainbow afro and your huge oversized shoes. Like, this is what you'll be playing in. They'll take one look and be like, no way, man. No, 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 done. And that would just get rid of more sports. But <laughs> Wait, one more, one more alternative. Okay, 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 okay. Make the parents wear clown suits to the games. <laughs> The, the attire to get in is a clown suit. Well, have bouncers at the doors just standing there. And then, like, a, a sweet a sweet couple tries to come in, and they're like, no, 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 guys, you can't you can't come in. Like, you have to have a clown suit on. You have to be wearing what they're wearing. And a, a couple in a clown suit walks past, and it's like, you got it. You got it. You got to comply with our rules. Some 80-year-old grandpa with a cane, like, trying to come see his grandson's basketball game. Walks up, they're like, sorry, sorry, you can't come in. You, you can't come in. Sorry. Unless you wear this rainbow hair. <laughs> right, they just have a stockpile of, like, cheap rainbow hair and cheap noses, and you're like, okay, we'll pa- we'll paint your faces, and and we'll put these things on, and that might work this time, this time. But you have to get a full suit next time. Just this one time. Next time it won't be as easy on you. I think we'll need a whole crew of face painters for, like, the first time we implement this rule. Like, there'll just be, like, a whole line of them, and they'll be like, What's what's up with all those booths? And they're like, so you're gonna go to one of those booths, and you, you, didn't, you didn't hear about the change. <laughs> you, you didn't hear. Like this is a big change in, in the, our policies. Like you have to go to that booth right now. And they sit down and they're like, all right. And they pull out the white paint. And they start. All of a sudden, you just have white paint everywhere on everything, and your your, your rainbow hair. And they're like, is this really required? And they're like, yes, sir, it is. I can't let you in if you don't have your rainbow hair on. I just I can't. I can't do it. I'll get fired if I do. You have to be deadly serious the whole time, though, about the policy. We need, like, I think I think you have just, like, these big, huge guys just busting up because the 80-year-old grandpa can, comes back after getting his clown suit on. He's just like, I hate you guys. And, they, and they're just... They're just trying not to laugh, trying to hold it in. We have professional New York club bouncers for a little <laughs> kids' community basketball game. Yes. But it'd be worth it in the long run. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Their salaries would be worth it for oh, changing the world. We'd make it We'd make it worthwhile, worth their while once we get rich and this podcast becomes the thing that makes us rich. Then, then, then we'll make it worth their while. But we can't let them change colors of face paint. It's got to be all the same color of face paint. I won't stand for any of this team nonsense. <laughs> like, there's no sides, there's no teams, because part of it is part of it is the competition. That's what drives it. 
Like, no, 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 you can't, you can't come here with green face paint and you can't come here with red face paint. Like, you guys have to have white face paint on. Like, there's, I will not stand for anything less. Like, somebody comes with, like, a red afro, you're like, no, get out. <laughs> Put on a different color. Like, how dare you root for your team? What is wrong with you? I don't care which team your child's on. You will come with our standards in mind so that we don't have to deal with any of this competition nonsense. It would be perfect. No home, no visitor side. There's just there's just seats full of clowns <laughs> watching the clowns play and the clowns rep. <laughs> and everyone's just clowning around. It would be perfect. I would say that we should do the same thing for runners, but there actually are like 5Ks and stuff where people dress up and things like that. So we need a slightly different <laughs> approach. Yeah, they beat us to that one. We could throw pies in their face at every, like, mile mark. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> I like, you just have, like, a whole mess of pies. And, and as runners come by, you're like, get over here. Get over here. <laughs> get over here. <laughs> and you just have, like, those New York bouncers with pies in their hands. Just, like, smashing people with, with pies. That would, that, would, that would discourage running. Uh, even with that, though. Runners are weird, man. <laughs> Some runners are really weird. They would like like that and approach it. And... We, got, we got to be more unorthodox. I think. I think the key. More unorthodox. I think the key to make them not take it so seriously mm-hmm. is that we make all the courses have intentional ways where the runners get stopped. For example, one time I did a race that crossed a train track. Okay. And we had called the train company and, like, made sure there's no trains coming or anything. Yeah. But on race day, if you were, like, not in the top 50, if you were one of the slower runners, you got stopped by a train that crossed for, like, five minutes. Really? And so we got a bunch of complaints from people, like, why didn't you call about this? Or, like, we did. Like, the train company didn't talk to us. People were livid. But, really? Yeah. They're yeah. just, like, they're, they're ready to punch you right in the face for... Because the train's in the way. For yeah. the train that Because they can't them. get their time, right? Right, right. They're, and they're so, 67th place time. So runners would be furious for a while. But if we had, like, intentional blockades that come through the racetrack <laughs> every once in a while, then people just get used to knowing that their time didn't matter because it wasn't, it wasn't the full time. So have, like, intentional places where they have to stop. Okay. They have to go through like a single file line to pick <laughs> up a water cup, and they have to pick up a water cup. And 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 coming through the single file line, like we have like rotating like aunties and uncles that have their little walkers that are just like, <laughs> and they're like the runners are like, oh please auntie run, and then he's like I cannot, I cannot, I cannot, just clop, clop, hire hire eighty year old people to run the race <laughs> to block up the line, or better we just have we just have places during the race where. A line of bouncers, New York bouncers, <laughs> and we, they stop everybody with red color shirts. <laughs> the, like the bouncers are like wearing like a red tie or something. It's like red red shirts. Red shirts have to stop here, or else or else you're gonna get you're gonna get bounced. That that would, that would keep it fun too, because you have to find ways to like. What are statistical things that are going to stop you? Right, like you try and find unorthodox things yeah. to wear and. To do so, you're unlikely <laughs> to be stopped by a bouncer. I like it. So like it's it. more of like a, a puzzle game, you know, or a luck game. Can you get through the race without being stopped by a bouncer? Because <laughs> you, you didn't have blonde hair, a red shirt, or wearing sneakers. <laughs> People are in in wigs and have like three different shirts on to make sure that they don't have the wrong color shirt. 
and then oh that would be beautiful 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 i think it make help i think that would definitely help people take it less seriously uh, yeah yeah <laughs> like they have to call ahead to the train company and like make sure there's no trains and then when there's a train because we we put a train there because <laughs> there has to be a train on the train track that's what train tracks are for then they 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 experience what you experience <laughs> of of calling the company there wasn't going to be a train but Lo and behold, somebody needed twenty thousand gallons of bubblegum. So, I I don't know. I don't know. But we we called the company. We asked for three trains, but we, we called the company. <laughs> did you guys call ahead? Yeah, we did. That's all. <laughs> Just don't say anything. Like, were you wearing a red shirt? No, that's good. That's good because then you would have gotten stopped by both, and that would have been no good. <laughs> oh, what was your five k time? Four hours and seven minutes. <laughs> it was awful. We could have gates where there's like, like for realsies puzzles, like mental puzzles, like like math problems and stuff. Where it's like, you have to answer the you have to answer the right question correctly, or else the bouncers aren't gonna let you through. Like that's all it is. Like they're just gonna stop you. And you gotta wait in line. So if the person in front of you is really slow at solving the puzzle. <laughs> you just gotta sit there. We get one old math professor sitting at a desk in the middle of the road. And he's just checking papers real slow and mark, 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 and hands it back to him. And if they get it wrong, have to do it again, again and again, get back in line. So, was there anything else we should do to divert runners or where we go with that? I think, I think having, well, see, the great problem with our solution is that what it's going to breed is a whole different style of runner. <laughs> like right now we just have people who run to run. They love running. Like they they do it just to do it, which I don't understand. I only do it for health benefits sometimes, but they enjoy it. They have a good time doing it. If we change it so that they're running less, we're going to get a whole different series of runners who are puzzle maniacs who will do anything to figure out what the puzzle will be to to pass the test, they'll try to be well-rounded in everything. They'll have every color t-shirt on them. Like, they'll have huge backpacks full of equipment. They'll be more like a Comic-Con fan, almost. Like a, yeah. yeah, we'll get, I can see what you're saying. We'll get more of a unique set of runners <laughs> running down these tracks. <laughs> I can see that. It may not, it may not avert the problem. It may even make it more popular. It, that's true. That's true. We, we don't know what we're doing here. We might be it causing might. a greater greater <laughs> issue. It's just see, no, we're we're thinking about this all wrong. We're trying to we're trying to we're trying to stop people from running. What we do is we exploit this idea. It's like it's like one of those escape rooms and running mm. mixed together. Mm. We just get rich off the idea. Oh I see. <laughs> Doesn't save the world, but it saves my wallet. <laughs> saves my date money, oh yes. Well, either way. Either way. They can do it however they want to, as long as they don't block the main road. I'm sick and tired of that. <laughs> Make your races down other parts of the city. I've got a better idea. Another idea. A sky bridge for runners. <laughs> like, why Why would you have people running down the middle of the road when you could just have a sky bridge over, over the road, like, go anywhere you wanted? That gets used one time a year. <laughs> It could be used more times than once, maybe. Ooh, better yet. Instead of a sky bridge, how about just a fully levitating platform that you can use for any type of event? 
So you can just levitate above the city a good thousand feet and you can have your race up there and not block traffic. That's genius. <laughs> you just take, so there's like a course that you've already laid out on the road and you just, whoop, just raise it up. So <laughs> there's still road underneath. So people can still drive. Like it's like a little bit of a bump to get into that, that area. But all the runners are happily running up. Thousand feet in the air. <laughs> thousand feet in the air. <laughs> Just trying to trying to thin the runner population out. <laughs> like people who are terrified of heights aren't gonna go up there. People might fall off and I'm sorry guys, like this is just a hazard that's gonna be disaster strikes. It's not our fault that the road's also slightly curved up there, so you're <laughs> more likely to fall, but <laughs> put the put the levitating machines in the middle of the road so it just kind of bends out like a like a floppy piece of board i love it that's all i got that's how we're gonna save that's how we're gonna save the day clown suits bouncers puzzles and floating puzzles and floating platforms four ways to lessen the impact of sporting events in our world to make it pragmatic indeed (laughs) <laughs> help people focus on the important things like accounting, <laughs> physics, science or math, engineering cabinets, these are all terribly important indeed so, you this last weekend were at a conference you were like, totally off the map for a whole week I heard from you a couple times but like, we weren't in contact Like we didn't do anything because you were at this conference don't tell me about yes. this conference. Yes, so it was a very long time. It wasn't just the weekend. It was Monday through Friday. It was a really long conference. Okay, um, okay. The conference I went to was uh, called CVPR. It's the Computer Vision and Pattern Recognition Conference. It's the big international conference. It had 6,000 people there. Most of them have PhDs in computer science. It's crazy. Okay. <laughs> it, it's one of the only times where I was pretty sure I was in the lower 10% of intelligent people <laughs> in any building or situation. Like, right. It was, it was incredible. Wow. Some incredibly intelligent people. So just, just so you guys know, David's a genius. Like, <laughs> like if I was as smart as David, like I would be rich and famous, <laughs> but I'm not. And so David takes all my fame and glory. And so for him to say that, that's a big deal. Like, I feel like I'm in the lower 10% <laughs> more often than not. It's not what I was trying to imply. <laughs> I guess it kind of sounded that way. Uh, but it's true. But it's true. So for background, just so people understand, I, I have a, I'm trying to get my master's degree in computer science right now. But my background is actually in physics. I actually teach physics at a high school and do that part-time while I'm trying to get my master's degree. So to be fair, I'm usually teaching people, <laughs> usually in a high school uh... scenario. So often I'm the person that's, you know, giving out the information. Right. But in this scenario, totally reversed. Okay. Where you were the student. Not only not only was I the student, I was the student to thousands of people that have done amazing work in the fields of computer vision. Wow. And so anyways, it was a really, really cool conference. And I learned a ton. Mm-hmm. Um but one of the things about conferences in general is I feel they're incredibly inefficient for the purpose of what they're trying to do. And I always wonder when I go to these conferences, are conferences a little outdated? Mm -hmm. This this one did a lot of cool things that I liked, 
which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. But for example, when I did physics conferences, because I've done physics conferences, education conferences. Yeah. This was definitely the best best conference I've done. Okay. But in previous experiences, a lot of conferences are you show up, there's a plenary speaker, someone that talks to everybody right. for like an hour to okay. show off how awesome they are and all these amazing things they've done. Yeah. It's mostly an ego boost. Yeah. As you got to be invited as a plenary speaker. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> then then you then you break off into different sessions and people talk about more work that they've done. Okay. And that's it. You do t- you just watch people talking to you for hours and hours and hours. Really? For days on end. So it was just it, it was just like a bunch of meetings all put together. Yeah. A bunch for of hours work hours. meetings. Yes. And those old conferences. One of the things I love that they did at CBVR that was different was that they didn't have any plenary speakers. Um, okay. They changed it. So instead of people speaking for 15 minutes, which is kind of the standard, they'd have okay. a couple of people speak for 15 minutes, and then they'd do what are called spotlights. So okay. you'd just talk for three or four minutes about your work, and then you could say, come and talk to us more at our poster session. Okay. And so you'd have maybe an hour or two of people presenting things they're doing, and then they had like four hour blocks of you can just go talk to them at their posters that are set up in this big room oh. and talk to them one on one and get more ideas and the ones that you're interested in, which other conferences I've seen have done that. And a lot of other conferences, there's this, this ladder. Of, mm-hmm. Oh, if you can't get a, a oral talk, your work's not as good. You just get to go in the poster session. You know, okay. so it was almost like like a downgrade or like frowned upon. Oh, you couldn't get an oral talk. You just got to get into the poster oh, session a lot of like undergrads and graduate students end up in poster mm, sessions yeah anyways but i feel like the attitude was totally different at this cvpr conference where it was more of everyone's at the poster session that's where you go and talk about the work and so it wasn't frowned upon like everyone went to the poster session even if you had an oral talk you still were at the poster session right and you still had a booth to 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 work out of people could still come talk to you after your after your spiel after your your big deal yeah, I really like that format at CVPR and that change they made. And again, that was my first CVPR, so this may have been something they've done for a while. Mm-hmm. But in general, still, at a lot of these conferences, I feel like it's something that we've done for ages and we keep on doing it just because we've always done it and we don't want to change the system. But like, have you ever heard the analogy of the monkeys in the ladder? No. So some people believe this is actually done as an experiment but although pretty much have proven that it hasn't been done but <laughs> i just use it as an analogy um okay so let's say you want to teach a monkey to not climb up ladders okay so you put a bunch of monkeys in a room together let's say there's four or five yeah. and you put a banana at the top of the ladder okay so one of the monkeys sees the banana he starts to climb the ladder to get it and then you spray him and all the monkeys with a hose. With okay. The water. Okay. And then anytime they do it again, you spray him and all the monkeys with the hose. Eventually, the monkeys all learn if you climb the ladder, you're going to spray them with water. Right. It's yeah. not good to climb the ladder, even though right. there's a banana at the top. Right. You want the banana, but the the punishment is worse than the banana. Right. right. So let's say then you pull out just one monkey and replace that monkey with another one that hasn't been in there. So what's he going to do? He sees the ladder, tries to climb up. All the other monkeys know 
that, they're going to get sprayed with the hose. Yeah. And so they'll grab the monkey and maybe beat him up a little bit or whatever they need to do to teach him, like, don't climb that ladder. Like, we, we know what happens. Right. And so eventually that monkey learns to not climb up the ladder because every time he tries to climb up, all the monkeys around him grab him and so tell him to stop. And pull him down. And right. pull him down. And you get your big bouncer monkey. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. no, you can't climb this ladder. You yeah. don't do it. Yeah, exactly. But here's the weird thing. If you do that enough times, pulling one monkey out at a time and switching them in, eventually you'll have all monkeys in there that all learn not to climb the ladder, but none of them ever got sprayed with a hose. So they know not to climb the ladder, but they don't know why. Whoa. That's cool. That's a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. I can see it. Yeah. I really like it as a, a way of describing why sometimes we get in certain mindsets in society because something had origins very, very long time ago mm-hmm. and no one's been willing to kind of confront the status quo. Okay. And so we just kind of keep doing things that way because it's the way we've always done them. Right. But we don't necessarily know why or have good reasons for why we do it. Right. Okay. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, <laughs> that makes that makes perfect sense. I, I like that is just it's a good analogy because it, it totally makes sense in my mind that you can get a whole group of people that doesn't know why they're doing what they're doing, but they're doing it because because that's 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 like that's the social pressure I always talk about. That's just this unstoppable force that you feel and that everyone else else around you feels. But no one knows quite why or how to change it, or it's right. just a weird, just a dynamic that exists, but it's hard to explain. Right. So, so I feel like conferences is one of those things. Okay. The origin of conferences and why they started out was that hundreds of years ago, when science was at its root and people were starting to publish, we needed ways for people to communicate with each other what they were finding, share ideas, and be able to share the research so that ideas can move forward. Yeah. And back then, you didn't have email. You didn't have telephones. Or if you did, they were relatively primitive. Right. Right. And it's really hard to explain over the phone what you're doing in your lab. Right. right. Yeah. And so the only way to do it was to bring people together and say, we're all going to meet on this day. Everyone will publish their research and say what they're doing so that ideas can spread and we can know what each other is working on and that type of stuff. Yeah. But things are so much different now. First of all, in scale, the number of people that are involved in a lot of these conferences is just humongous. You know, 6,000 people were at CBPR, 6,000 plus. There's no way, even if I spent all day just talking to people, that I could meet everyone, have a sense of what people are working on. There's so much stuff going on in that community. Right. That's that's more... That's more people than you can ever know. That's more. That's more information that you than you can ever gather in any reasonable amount of time. Right. And then the other thing is just in terms of research itself. I always thought this is kind of silly. This may be specifically with computer science. Okay. But there's a lot of people that publish their papers online before they get to the conference. When once they know they're accepted, there's a lot of people that use the system called archive which okay. is this online system for publishing papers kind of unofficially, but letting it out there so people can read it. Yeah. The intention is that you can read the paper before you get to the conference so that you can ask better questions if you're involved in that area. Yeah, that makes sense. But at the same time, they were able to fully communicate their entire paper to me without me ever having to see them. And before the conference even happened. 
Right. You know, so I know exactly what they're doing before they get there. Right. You show up to the conference, you're like, I read all the papers that I was interested in. And they do, they go and say the same thing that's in their paper. And you're like, okay, well, that was the same. Yeah. Okay. So, so just overall, it, it's very inefficient in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. There, there, again, there was a ton of things I learned when I was able to talk to specific people about their research at their posters. But those are people primarily in the same field I was involved in. Right. So we're talking four or five people that were doing the same type of research. Right. So I went to a conference with 6,000 people. I really only needed to talk to about four people there. Yeah. That's that's a, a very <laughs> small, that's a very small percentage of the total number of people that were there. Yeah. So another thing that always kind of makes me laugh these conferences are often touted as these amazing places to network with people yeah. and make connections. Right. Which, again, that availability is there, but there's so many people here. There's so many people at those conferences. Yeah. You don't know who you're going to see again, who you need to talk to. Right. I talked to those five people because I saw they were doing the same research. Right. And that was the only real networking I did. Other networking really didn't happen. You, we had you know, hundreds and hundreds of tables to eat lunch at, for example. Yeah. There were tons of people just eating by themselves. Okay. Which is fine. That That's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted some privacy to work on stuff and eat my lunch. But <laughs> Everyone's like, they're working at like the table eating their lunch by themselves. And you're just over there like, why is everyone sitting by themselves? Just you sit by yourself and eat lunch. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just say, I don't always buy the, the, the networking plug that's often given for these conferences. Right, right. There are people you will see and meet, but will often be related to the same field you're working with. Okay. Yeah. Five people. So so it always makes me wonder, what needs to change in conferences? Because a lot of research-based conferences were generated because people needed places to publish and they needed ideas to spread a long time ago. But there's so many more effective ways to communicate now, or maybe not effective, but at least efficient at the very least. Right. It's totally inefficient to gather every 6,000 people at a huge conference where it's for a whole week where you're only going to talk to a couple people that are in the same field as you. Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. And again, I'm not, I'm not downing on CVPR because as far as conferences go, it was amazing. That's the best I've ever seen a conference go. Yeah. But is there a different mentality we could have that goes away from this idea of I need to, we need to have conferences because we need to have people publish research and present it, and we need to be able to show how smart we are. <laughs> like, like, I feel like that's a, there's a lot of ego boosting at conferences that goes on and things right. like that. So I, I wanted your perspective, because you're kind of an okay. outsider, as far as I'm aware. You haven't published any no. papers yet. <laughs> Indeed, I, I, am, I am so much less in the uh, intellectual realm for my work. I... I a conference would be just like ludicrous. I do cabinetry and it would just, it would be ludicrous to go to a conference to see all the new methods of doing cabinets. <laughs> like you just, you get the, you get the feel as you go through it. It's, it's not, it's not that hard. So this is kind of an area where I'm not really familiar with any of this stuff. So, so let me, so let me pose the question. Okay. Okay. So ignoring conferences, let's say we've never done a conference before. Let's say I wanted a way for people to show that they've done research. Okay. To prove that they've done research. Okay. A way for 
people that are in the same fields to know that they're doing the same research and to communicate with each other. And that's really it. <laughs> There's not a whole lot that needs to be there. We just need to have communication between people in the same fields and to show that research has been done. Okay. Okay. How, okay. how, how, how would you set up a system if I describe that as a problem? Okay. So I think, I think what I do, so if I'm understanding this correctly, it's a system, you're wanting a system that will get people in communication who have the same field of research, who are doing the same kinds of things. That makes sense. I can see how the resource structure would be geared towards a convention. Whenever I do like, whenever I do certain kinds of research on the internet, very specified research on the internet, it becomes incredibly difficult. General information is like so is is so easy to get from the internet, but specified information, incredibly specific, I have such a hard time finding anything. So I'm gonna say that's our that's our base problem. There's no other way to really get, at least as far as I'm concerned get in clear communication with you you talk to those five people would you have had a better way to get in contact with them rather than going to the convention well so half the problem is right now the only way to really get a hold of them was through the convention but the other half the problem is i didn't know they existed until the, okay or until the conference let's not call it a convention because I think of like Comic Con and oh, things yeah. like that when I say convention. <laughs> those I'm sure are doing just fine. They, they, yeah. Those don't need to change. I'm sure. Yep, they have a whole different I'm, format. I'm thinking of research conferences, education conferences, okay. things like that. Okay, okay. I'm trying to right, I'm trying to get the conference, the conference mindset, and you didn't know they existed. It's almost like we just need a really big place where everyone's on board and everyone's involved. The first thing that comes to mind is Reddit, but Reddit's <laughs> not. Like, Reddit Reddit has different motivations. That would be awesome. A Reddit <laughs> dedicated to like high level computer vision research. Right. People are just throwing in comments from <laughs> super specific <laughs> from details research. of their papers. Right. Right. See, that's exactly it because you have this this this. That's one thing that Reddit does, and like social media platforms do really well, is they give this social platform to be talking to other people and having a communication across a large group of people you know videos of of cats go to so many people everyone sees this video of a cat but you're looking for specific information you're trying to get specific information to specific people and communicate with those specific people i think the communication part just talking to them can be done over skype can be done over a video call or or an in-person meeting if you need to. There's not. There's nothing that can't be communicated when both people are not present. So the biggest problem I see is getting in contact with those people. So along those lines, you, you've had similar thoughts to what I thought. I just want to make sure I wasn't biased because I was kind of in the realm of computer vision. Or okay. In the realm of research. Yeah. But I would, I would think that, generally speaking, the more effective approach would be rather than having large conferences, I think we need to specialize even further. I'd rather be meeting with people that are only doing the very specific field of research, limit it down to you know, maybe less than 100 
Right. Rather than having these huge convention centers that people go to, I don't know if you can just do it in like a hotel ballroom or something like that. And if you're in the same, very similar fields of work, then you attend that smaller conference. Right. Um, but not so much for here's the amazing things I'm working on, but to, again, gather ideas and share information. So you wouldn't have talks. You wouldn't, I wouldn't say you wouldn't even have posters. You'd really just go around and have those discussions that you should already be aware of. Mm-hmm. So that leads into your idea of, I love it, Reddit, using Reddit or something like <laughs> it. So that anyone that's involved in your field of research, you know, not just, oh, I'm in computer vision, but specifically I'm doing, you know, object detection or, you know, I'm tracking faces or something like that. Right. Everyone there that's very specifically in that field is on this group and you can ask to join or leave based on what type of research. But everyone should be aware right. of what everyone's doing and you can leave comments and ideas that culture doesn't exist but you know idealistically right you you would be kind of giving information as you were moving along in the work not just here's my final paper right you know i did all the research (laughs) i did all the research here you go you you kind of keep moving along as you were going and then you would have these occasional i don't even call them conferences but occasional meetups yeah with the people in the field and you spend more time just talking one-on-one with people and sharing ideas as needed. Okay. Problem with that is I know that will never happen because you know why these research conferences exist? Hmm. Is they make lots of money. <laughs> no! <laughs> it all comes back to money. Yeah, the start thing we call money. Especially, <laughs> this is actually really cool. This is one thing I did really love about CVPR is unlike in physics conferences or education conferences where it's primarily researchers, academics, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. There was tons of companies at this really? conference because they're recruiting people at the conference. There's a whole side of the convention center that was dedicated to company booths. So like oh. when you were tired of walking between poster sessions and stuff, you could just walk in and talk to people with their companies. They had demos of what their company was doing. They would you know, tell you if they're hiring PhDs or that type of thing. Sneaky. And so the people that pay for the conference are those companies. Right. Because they want to recruit people. That's who bought your lunch that you ate by yourself with. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so I don't think this will change in the near future because there's a lot of company involvement in here because they want to get people recruited from these big conferences. Right. At least in the computer science realm. Right. I don't know if that happens as much. I didn't see that as much as like the, at the physics conferences. But. Mm-hmm. So, darn money. <laughs> I think, at least for now, I'm having a hard time envisioning anything that could completely move us off of these conferences. Because the generalized conference really does do a lot. Like 6,000 people came... Because they're all doing something with computer vision. That's 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 their thing. And so they all came to this, this big generalized conference. But the problem I see is that it's still too generalized. And those companies, those sneaky companies, hiring people, doing their jobs. I think a better way to do the conference would be to have the big computer vision conference and have maybe... At most a day 
where everyone's together at most. Like, that's maybe a little too much time <laughs> together. Get everyone together. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. Have your have your hiring hiring stations all set up. Your 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 big section of of companies that want to hire talented people, and then disband the large group of people, and break into smaller groups with their own room, and their own three days of conferencing or their own half a day of conferencing if that's all you need. Each group becomes like its own conference. Because the, the big conference got everyone together, and then there's 30 different subtopics that people can choose from and go to those specific conferences where they're so much more likely to meet somebody who's doing the same research as them. And it just narrows your field so that you're not wasting time going around and looking at all the cool stuff, and you can just get to the point of, hey, we need, we, I want to talk about this with you guys. Like You guys are the people I need. And then don't have them as often. Don't have con- con- conferences as often. You just you just have one. Now you all know each other. Here's the website, the 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 forum. These sixty different groups are now the only words that come to mind is subreddit subtopics <laughs> of of this website that that everyone can now connect on, and that would push the ball right into the website, right onto the internet. Mm-hmm. It'd have to be a well designed website that could clearly easily get communi- communication between parties but i think that would be better than than a, a week-long conference it breaks my mind like i can't imagine what you guys were doing for a whole week <laughs> it just i it, i just can't understand you it. get kind of into a robot mode by the end really because <laughs> it is so long but i like the idea i i think there are attempts to try and do that because i do break the oral sessions by topic right but i think Again, there's kind of this mentality of I'm presenting this big, long research paper that's been going on for a very long time. Yeah. So I like your idea of you're spending a whole day just with people working on similar topics mm-hmm. and you don't have presenters or anything. I would love it if people just whipped out laptops and were just like, what do you think of this thing I found on you know this part of the image that I was working with? There's some artifacts along the edge or whatever yeah. it may be. And that'd be awesome. Just you're You're almost like in a research group. With everyone that's in the same field. You know, right, right. For a couple of days. I like that. I think that'd be good. I think that'd be 100% more effective. And to be honest, half the problem with these conferences is flying everyone in. <laughs> you got to fly everyone to a convention center. I think, I think it would be better to have a way to just have a hologram of yourself walking <laughs> around in a con- conference yeah. center. Uh, yeah, a conference center. Way more efficient. To, so you don't have to fly in. You don't have to waste a whole day flying from from Europe to get to this really cool conference. You just you show up as your as your digital self and your, your hologram self, and and you can walk by Sigourney Weaver introducing the conferences as you as you walk into the conference hall. It's perfect. Your virtual conference avatar goes and meets the other virtual conference avatars and. Exactly. You don't, you don't have to walk around. You're sitting in a chair the whole time, scrolling a mouse wheel to walk forward. <laughs> it's like Club Penguin, but for professional conferences. <laughs> it's perfect. It, I, it's perfect. That'd be a lot better. Yeah. And then, then, then the system can just, like, teleport you. You could have, like, a little info card that you fill in saying, like, what things you like, what things you're interested in. And yeah. not only that, it also, like, it reads, like, your university transcript and knows what classes you've taken. So that's a better <laughs> idea, like, what you know already. And it can be, like, 
you should go over here. Like, right. you probably should stay in this session because you need to learn a little bit more about machine learning. It brings up little icons all around the conference of like of places that you should visit. Like, this place is probably related to what you're interested in. This place is probably... And this person over there, that person walking right there... <laughs> Run, grab him, get him quick. <laughs> he, is, he is somebody you need to talk to. And so it would take away all of the wandering and the... Sometimes aimlessness, right, of, of the con of the conference, and just like get straight to it. You could pack five days of conference into a day if you could just snap to one booth and then just snap to another booth and snap to that person that you need to talk to once they're free. <laughs> It'd be better too if it's like you have a high probability of being hired by this company. You should go talk to them. <laughs> don't even bother with them. You're not gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> don't bother. They're doing something completely different. They don't want you. They don't want your skill set. <laughs> Terrible work environment. Don't do it. Don't don't go. Over there. <laughs> but this one, this one's good. This one's good. Every time you start walking towards something that's not helpful, you get like a big, a big red like stop sign. It's like stop, turn around, stop, turn around. It does what it does in the games where it like flashes red along your peripherals. <laughs> it's like, like warning, warning. Wrong. I guess I should probably turn around. <laughs> you turn around, and I think that would. I think that would be just infinitely better. I think it would. No, yeah, hologram is still the best idea. As a, as a more immediate method, you could do you could build a virtual landscape, and VR headsets for everyone, and or not even VR, just just dude, play it like you're playing a computer game. Play, <laughs> play like you're playing any kind of game. You just you get on for the conference, you get your mouse, your your WASD, and your mouse, and you walk around, and you talk to people that way. And when you when you walk up to like another avatar or another character that kind of looks similar to somebody you're looking for or somebody that the computer thinks you should go talk to, then it brings up like a video chat screen so you guys can like video chat face to face and be like, I, I we need to talk like you you know something that I need to know. You'd have to give it a cool name like Conference Madness VR. <laughs> Hey, you going you going in on conference madness this weekend? Oh yeah, I'm gonna be there from Saturday in the morning till the night. Battle Sweet Royale man. conferences, <laughs> and you just it's, <laughs> the more people you network with, like the better off you are, and the person with the most points at the end wins. As a grand prize, that <laughs> they get like lunch <laughs> shipped to them. You can get, like, virtual swag from the companies and stuff. Yes! You walk around to the booths for the companies, and, like, a little video pops up on your screen of, like, oh, this is our presentation, so that you don't have to hire somebody for the company to do the presentation 40 times. You can just make a video of one person doing it once. And then you're like, well, thanks for coming. Here's a here's a pen and a, and a T-shirt. And you're like, oh, I think I'll wear this T-shirt. This T-shirt looks rad. And you walk around and you get a T-shirt and... I can't believe this. This is a better way of doing <laughs> conferences than I ever thought of before. Why is it even a thing? Why do we even have to physically be there? We don't have to physically be anywhere. We can be wherever we want. Holograms, virtual reality is the future. I like it. Of conferences. We don't even have to change the conference that much. It would save time if we just, if it was just a game. If it was just yeah. a really big game. And it told you where to go for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. The all-seeing computer eye is just like, I know all of you and I know what you need. And it and it maps out all the routes that everyone needs to take and somebody starts diverting on the path and goes to like get some food and they're like, no, you will not. And it like resets their character to where they're supposed to be and then 
Pretty soon everyone's just not even walking around. They're just being told where to go. <laughs> I like it. I think that'll work. Okay. <laughs> I'll start developing that system. We'll see how Excellent. it goes. Excellent. That's that's all we needed. So, I have a problem. Okay. And I need your help with it. That's what we're here to do. We're here to save the world. We're here to solve the problems of the world. And this problem irks me to my core. Okay. After a long day of work, do you ever get this where the day goes so quickly that you get up and then all of a sudden you feel like it's time to go to bed again? Like, you're at home and ready to go to bed and it's time to go to bed. You don't know what happened with the whole day. Like, you, you felt like you wasted your whole day at work or at right. doing, some, doing something, whatever it is. Right, right. Your mind was involved and 14 hours is gone. KO or 16 hours, however long you sleep. And you're just ready to knock out. And I get to this point so often in the day, and I stand there, and I think, do I really have to change him into pajamas? <laughs> do I really have to do this right now? And then I wake up, having slept, because sleeping takes even less time than a day. You just, you're asleep, and then I'm awake. I hardly ever dream. And I wake up, and I think, I really have to change my clothes again? <laughs> And day in and day out, I think to myself, I am so tired of changing my clothes. I change into change in clothes for work, and I go to work, and I get done with work, and I'm like, wow, I really don't like these work clothes. They're covered in sawdust and smelly and sweaty. I'm going to change into some other clothes. So you change into some other clothes, and then a couple hours later, you're ready to go to bed, so you change into bedtime clothes. And then without even knowing it, you wake up and you're ready to change back into work clothes. It's maddening. This I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what to do to it. This did not go the direction I was thinking. I thought you were going to be like, <laughs> how do I improve my productivity at night after I get home from work? <laughs> but this is a much more pertinent issue. I think this I, is I, directly is. involved in your life, and this is, is something we need to solve. I agree. It is a constant thorn in my side that I have to change my clothes so often. There has to be a better way. There has to be something different. I, I always had the dilemma of after I work out, like, oh. I usually work out later at night. Yeah. I'm like, is it worth it to, like, shower before I go to bed and yes. that type of thing? Yes. So, yes, I can feel the struggle. I yeah. understand, okay. I understand okay. the pain. You understand. Okay. As long as you understand, it drives me crazy. And I don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't know how to fix this problem. So, I don't think we need to describe the scenario anymore. I, I think everyone can relate and understand. I yes. think we need to go straight into a solution. Okay. Yes. Because I'm surprised this hasn't come up sooner in the realms <laughs> of the world. Because this is obviously a dilemma. Yes. And an epidemic, if I could say so I, myself. I would say how many people change their clothes every single day, multiple times a day. It's a problem. It's a problem. It's, it's a big problem. Um, solutions. <laughs> I, I've, I've, tried to, I've tried to work out the greatest problem is that if I could just wear my work clothes... All week, if I could sleep in them, if I could do my fun things in them, they would be fine. They would be great. They they are, my work clothes are like my best all-around clothes. They they can do anything. I could go on a hike in them. I could work out in them. I can go cruise on the couch in them, mostly. And they're perfect. But after a full day of work, they're filthy. There's sweat and sawdust and dirt and glue all over my clothes. My my first my first solution here okay. is we need to make clothes more disposable. 
just like plastic utensils and <laughs> things like that. So when you're done with the day, you don't bother having to put those away and wash them again. You just rip them off, throw them in the trash can, and you have a hundred identical pairs ready to go. Okay. In vacuum packed Ziploc bags that okay. you can just pull out, put in your backpack. I like that. <laughs> I like the vacuum bags for your clothes. Like granola bars, but for your clothes. Like a cliff bar. A little energy bar. But it's clothes. So I don't have to carry my clothes anywhere anymore. And I like disposable. That sounds that sounds terrible for the environment. But <laughs> perfect for my solution. They'd be biodegradable. Okay. <laughs> okay, never mind. It's all good. Continue. I like those. But they, they miss. I, I, I failed to explain the core problem. The core mm-hmm. problem is that I physically have to pull the clothes off of me and put them back on, put on different clothes. Like I have to go through this physical motion that I do over and over. Right, right. I, I, I forgot about that part. That, that's important. The amount of effort required to change is extremely high. <laughs> and it is. How could we avert that? Um, I like you could just rip them off. And I was thinking, like, if they just, like, stage pants, how you can just, like, whoosh, and they're gone. What if all my clothes were like that? That would be good. Even better. I'm thinking, like, Iron Man style, where you step into a booth and, like, <laughs> machines just start putting on clothes or taking off clothes, right? Obviously, yes. it wouldn't be suits of armor, but it could just be regular work clothes. No. It's, <laughs> it's no, I like that. Because then it could, like, Stitch on the clothes so it doesn't. I don't have to move my arms. I don't have to pick my arms up, and it just puts clothes onto me. It's sewing clothes, it sews clothes on you, so you don't have to lift your arms or move your head. It sews a T-shirt onto your back. Exactly. It puts a front and a back on, just like Iron Man's suit, but for my clothes, <laughs> for comfy, nice clothes. And then it know because it also stitched it. It also knows where the stitches were, so it can just rip the stitches out. When you're done and yeah. pull off the shirt, it doesn't need need to be disposable at that point because it could it'd be reusable. Yeah, you could just like wash it for you right there, dry it, you know, for the next time you're going to use it, and then stitch it back no, on. It just puts it back on, stitches <laughs> it back onto my body so that I don't have to. It would get some cool designs too. I could change up colors, and like my shoulders could be like orange, and then the rest of me could could be. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know colors. I'm not good at design. <laughs> I was going to say, wow, that's an amazing designer. <laughs> Orange shoulders and another color for the rest of you. <laughs> I, I, I went into cabinetry, not design work. So <laughs> this is, this is, I'm not a, not a great designer. <laughs> the, the possibilities are endless. We could change our shoulder colors. <laughs> or like my right leg could be like bubble gum pink and my left leg could be Midnight black. I can walk around like that. That'd be nice. This would also <laughs> this would also help with our previous problem with everyone having to wear clown suits. They could walk up to the booths before the game, and they get stitched into clown suit clothes before the game starts. <laughs> we need a clothing booth, <laughs> a real live clothing booth like Superman, that just instead of. Instead of a, a booth where you can physically take off your clothes, that's that's too much work. Like Superman, I don't know how he like got out of a tie and a and a button up shirt so quickly every time. <laughs> He's Superman, I guess. Just a booth where it will just put the clothes on in a, a quick ten seconds. Your clothes are on. It'd also be nice if, like, if it was a home one, it also gave you a shower really quick because like after a workout. So you walk in, 
water just splashes down on you. It shoots, you know, soap where needed and then dries you, I, I air dries you, and then puts the clothes back on. I assume my, my, my standing position for the machine, kind of like the airport machines, the big scanners, like, you have to stand like this. And every time I go in there, I'm like, okay, I will stand like that. You assume the standing position, and it removes your clothes, showers you, and puts new clothes on. In a quick 30 seconds, <laughs> my life is complete. <laughs> and I could be... It's the last invention you need to die happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the last success of humanity needed. I like it. <laughs> the Iron Man, Superman, clothing piece. For all your clothing needs. I think you solved my problem, David. I think I think that was it. I think this is this is the great the great end too. The great clothing epidemic. <laughs> yes. Twenty first century. <laughs> the end to the great clothing epidemic of the twenty first century. So many clothes, too much work. You could employ a team of people to reload these machines with clothing. It's like your clothing gets too worn out. It's like okay, this is trash, and just throws it. <laughs> just checks a hundred yards as far as it can see. Just throws it somewhere, anywhere. As long as it's not too close. <laughs> just a randomly a randomly set of generating just positions that it'll just today we choose here and it throws it there. Today we choose here and throws it there. <laughs> and then you and then people would come by and within like a 500-foot radius clean around the machine, clean up all the clothing around the machine, and then reload the machine with all the clothing that it needs <laughs> and the <laughs> colors that you specifically wear. I, I misunderstood. Are you... Is this just dirty clothes, or is this... Uh... Uh, oh, uh, clothes are done. Clothes are done. Like, clothes that will not... Will not. You can't... You can't... They won't work anymore. Okay, I thought you were just adding extra effort <laughs> to the system. Chugging clothes so that someone else has to clean wore this once, throw it on the ground, and somebody else come clean it up. I don't want to deal with it. Okay, this sorry, continue. would fix my tailoring problems, too. So I'm shaped like a triangle, and all my dress shirts need to be tailored. All of them need to be brought in by, like, two feet. It, it would tailor right to me. It would fit perfectly. Now that you say that, you do very much look like a triangle. <laughs> with your shoulders. <laughs> I didn't notice that before, but yes, you are uh, kind of shaped like a giant. Shoulders and then just like that. Which may be like a little for the hip part. It kind of levels out and then comes. Nah, that's what it is. It's. Anything else about this? Nope. Uh, my problem solved and all will be well. <laughs> somebody, somebody needs to get on that. Uh, I don't know who. I think Tony Stark would be a prime candidate. Or Superman. Those both seem like good candidates to make this this device. Aaron, I hate to break it to you, but neither of those guys are the... What? 